Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. What's going on, Bethesda Church? Oh, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on. Oh, y'all can do better than that. I know it's a holiday weekend, but we're talking about the one that saved you, set you free. Oh, come on, I came to preach today. Who's ready to be in the house of God this weekend? Man, y'all look good. Y'all even sound good. Come on. Some of y'all, I never thought you could sing, but God did a miracle in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Getting off to a hot start. Listen, there's so many people I recognize, but even the better part, there's a lot of people I don't recognize in here, which means this church is growing. Come on, you're reaching people that have never been reached before. So good to be with you. Such an honor to be speaking with you guys today. It truly is one of the greatest honors of my life uh, to be here and to be connected to this church and speaking here. Um, I told Pastor Jeremy, I said, I feel like I'm preaching my first sermon all over again. I was like, I am, sh- you know, I'm shaking and freaking out. And he goes, oh, it's no pressure. I was like, no, it's just heaven or hell. No pressure, right? So, um, but I'm so excited to be here and so thankful for the opportunity. For those that don't know me, my name is Jeremiah Bostick, and I had the privilege of being the student pastor here for over four years, but more importantly than that than a title. I call Bethesda Church home. This is my home church. I watch every Sunday. Uh, I got Lonnie Hawkins, who's one of our original members from Overflow, watching every Sunday. Lonnie, I told you to give you a shout out. There you go. You're welcome. I expect the check in the mail. Thank you. Um, you can laugh. It's okay. Um, but I, I, more than anything, more than any title I had, this is home, and I'm so grateful to be home uh, with you guys. I walked around the building and took pictures like a tourist um, because I was like, this is awesome. Um, and anything that looks good in our church comes from this church. I just steal it because I still have the passwords. Don't change them unless you tell me. Um, and a lot of my sermons I steal from Pastor Chad, so um, thank you. Pastor Chad for preaching good so I can steal it. But anyways, I'm so thankful to be here, so excited to be here. Um, and uh, you guys know our story, Haley and I. Actually, this very weekend, two years ago, we left here to go revitalize a church in Morgantown. Um, and when we interviewed, there were 16. And this past Sunday, we had over 80 people. We're pushing 100. Um and we're struggling, come on, we're struggling to handle the increase and um, all just awesome stuff. And I'm so excited uh, for all that God's doing. And um, it's just all the Lord. And I'm so excited. I got to hang out with the Tollers last night and shared a meal over crab dip. The Lord was there. I'm so thankful that Food and Friends is still open. The moment it closes down is when I stop coming, okay? So, um, but I also want to give honor to Pastors Chad and Karen. Thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to be with you guys this weekend. But more than anything, thank you for being um, so gracious and loving and supporting of Haley and I and the church. We are so thankful for you and everything that you do for the church and for us. Uh, and I'll honor you so much. And, and Pastor Chad's also one of our overseers, him and Pastor Scotty, uh, which means when it comes to anything crazy and all of that, they're the first to know, uh, know about it as well as our board and all of that. And Pastor Chad is still my pastor. 
I called him this past Monday because I needed help with something, and he answered my phone call and gave me advice, which is, I just need you to know, Pastor Chad and Karen are still our pastors. We still love them, and we're so thankful for them. Come on, can you give it up for your two amazing pastors? Hey, before, real quick, before I, I jump into the message, I just quickly want to share something. They're going to throw up some pictures real quick um, because you all last year around Christmas raised um, an offering for church plants and revitalizations and all this different stuff. Um, we fell into that category, blessings, um, and we actually received you all, your money, $5,000 of your money went to Overflow Church. Hold on, before y'all get too crazy, let me show you this. So this was in the middle of the construction of what was a youth area. Um, if you guys go to the next picture. Um, and then this was what it looks like now, completely redone and refinished. Um, keep going, just keep showing the pictures. And then this is our pre-K and taught, or pre-K and kindergarten room. And then I think there's, uh, this is our nursery and toddler. Come on, we got four newborns in the church. Come on, they're just popping out left and right. We're not having a kid, but everybody else is, so it's awesome. Um, and this is our nursing mother's room. And then there's just two more quick pictures of this is what, la this was last Sunday, y'all. And then this was our back to school blessing. You may recognize Reagan right there. Come on, shout out. We still got that pipeline connection. But this was just our back to school blessing. And we got to pray over 30 some kids. Um, and I'm just telling you, this time last year, we barely had 30 people coming. Now we got 30 kids coming. Come on, ain't it like Jesus? But I just want to say thank you because without your generosity, our building would still look the same. But because of your generosity, because of your heart, you are sowing into Overflow Church, and we're so thankful for it um, and everything that you have done um, as we continue to do that. But, hey, enough with the formalities. Who's ready to hear the Word of God today? Man, I'm so excited. I can't express that enough. But today I want to speak to you not really on a message or a sermon, but I want to preach to you on a word that the Holy Spirit gave me for this house. Um, and I don't say that lightly for the, the theatrics of like you being on the edge of your seat, be like, ooh, what's he got to say? That's not it. I'm, I'm coming with a word that I felt like the Lord gave me um, for the house. And when the Holy Spirit spoke this to me, let me be very clear. There's only two places I heard this and saw this happening. My church and this church. And I believe that what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do is something I've never seen before. But what the Lord told me and what I'm preaching on today is that the river is rising. Everybody say the river is rising. Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. Say the river is rising. On Sunday, July 16th of this year, we had a dynamic worship service, and I felt the Holy Spirit just very tangibly move into our service and take residence. And in that moment, I knew the Lord was getting ready to do something and I don't know about you, but I, there's sometimes God speaks to me in very, you know, various ways, but I knew in that moment the Lord was getting ready to show up and we were about ready to have some old Pentecostal church or the Holy Ghost was getting ready to speak. Come on, I knew one or two things was getting ready to happen. And in that moment, I saw a vision of two waves, one stacked behind the other. And one, the one wave was blue and the other wave was gold. Now, before you think like, oh, you're just saying it because you're a WVU fan, you're Morgantown. no. Ashley Toller said it is almost heaven, or Jeremy said it's almost heaven for a reason, yes. But I'm not saying that. Let me move this out of the way. I'm saying this because the fact of a spiritual significance, but what I saw was the river rising. And if I close my eyes, I can still see the river and the double set of waves rising in the church on our platform. But immediately I saw a vision of that same river 
right here where this speaker's at, where the stage and the speaker set meet right here, I saw the same thing I saw in my church, and I saw it rising. And in that moment, I knew exactly what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Because the fact that when the Bible says the river's rising, um, it's about the moving of the Holy Spirit. And water is in reference to the Holy Spirit, and the river is the river of God, which is the moving of the Holy Spirit. And remember that the river had two colors. I'm going somewhere. Don't tune out and be like, dear God, what am I listening to? Just hold on one second. The river was blue and it was gold. Colors in the Bible have just as much significance as numbers in the Bible. And I knew that when I saw two specific colors that the Lord was trying to show me something, so I did some research, so you don't have to, okay? But the research that I found and did some studying was blue represents heaven, baptism, waters, and the heavenly realm, but blue also represents the healing touch of Jesus. Let me go a step further. The Bible says when Jesus, you know, that the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' robe and she was healed, theologians believe that the hem of Jesus' robe was blue. But in the Bible was also, I saw the wave of gold. Gold represents um, so many different things, but just in short, it means um, faith, joy, but also the anointing and the glory of God. And this is where I'm going with you. I feel like what the Lord is wanting to do in this church is release and increase the level of his glory and his presence. Specifically, healing, come on, if you know, you know, and also the glory of God. Now, when I say glory... This is a little deeper, and I'm sorry. I'm just going to preface this, but this is something that, like, I, I prayed, and this is what God told me to do, and I'm being obedient. I know it's not going to be for everybody, but it's going to be for somebody, and I'm just going to release it, and I'm going back to Morgantown in Jesus' name. But if you got a problem, email it at Jeremy at Dream Team. What is I don't even know. you got four emails. Whatever it is, just call him. I'm not answering your phone. But here's the thing. When I talk about the glory of God, I'm not just talking about the presence of God. Because there's a difference between the glory and the presence. Let me teach this for a second. There's nothing wrong or insignificant with the presence of God. The presence of God is what we need in our lives. It's what brings life change. We need the presence of God, come on, in our churches today. You know how many churches are meeting in America right now and the presence of God isn't even welcome there? Oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all don't like this type of preaching. He's going to get over it in Jesus' name. But there's another level to the presence of God, and it's called the glory of God. Let me, let me just put it to you like this. There's no other simpler way I can put it. God's presence will change you, but God's glory will mark you. God's presence will change you, but God's glory will mark you. You think about Moses in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Moses was on the mountain and he came face to face with God and God's glory was so bright, so powerful. God's presence was so amazing that the Bible said he had to hide behind a rock because if he got near God's presence, touched God's presence, he would die. That's why the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence in the box, they had to carry it with the poles because if they touched the Ark, they would die. But he hid behind a rock. Moses hid behind a rock and then his face... So he, didn't, so he didn't die. But the Bible says that God's glory was so bright that through the, through the crack in the rock that his face was so marked by God's glory that he walked down the mountain and it said his face shone like the noonday sun. Meaning that when you get in God's glory, it doesn't just change you, it marks you. Meaning that when Moses left and when he came back, there was something tangib- tangibly and physically different about Moses. 
And most of us in church want God's presence, but we don't want it to change us. I'm, a, I'm coming for y'all today. You came on the wrong Sunday if you wanted to get your ears tickled and be out of here in 60 minutes. I'm going to be in 70 minutes because we got two services and I only preach one service, but still. Moses encountered God's glory and it changed his life. It marked him. And if I can be honest, I myself have experienced God's glory in certain church services and environments and it has marked me. I can talk about Winterfest. Over 10 years ago, I encountered God's glory. God spoke. I was going to do ministry, filled me with his Holy Spirit. That moment marked me forever. I remember standing in the altar somewhere around here when Bishop Kevin Wallace came in and preached on hell in the hallway and the tension and transition, and I had no idea what the next three years of my life was going to look like, but God's glory showed up, and right here where this very stage is at, that moment marked me. I remember dealing with anxiety so bad, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what would you do if I broke loose and I healed you of your anxiety? And I said, I would tear up this entire church, flip the chairs on its head, and act a fool because I'm so tired of this. That moment marked me. What I'm trying to tell you is God's presence is powerful and you need it, but when you take a step deeper into the glory of God, it doesn't just change you, but it marks you forever. And most of you hear me are one encounter with true, true God's presence and true of God's glory from being forever changed. So when we talk about God's glory, I think in the modern church, we've created an amazing thing, honestly, where we can encounter and experience the presence of Jesus. And I mean, my prayer every Sunday comes from Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, that says, then the cloud, talking about God's glory, the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This morning, even though I'm not preaching at my home church, I prayed, I said, God, let your glory resonate at Overflow Church. God, let it rest in there just as it did in the book of Exodus. And hear me, I love that there's certain songs, certain scriptures, even certain sayings that make us feel the presence of God. We can get those goosebumps in that cold chill. Now, for those of us that grew up in church, and our Pentecostal, we call it the Holy Ghost. For you non-denominational people that are new to church, you call it the sweet touch of Jesus. <laughs> Sit there with your star. Am I allowed to talk about Starbucks? Y'all still mad about that? Or like, we good? Are we? Okay, I'm moving on. We got eight of them in Morgantown. It'll be okay. All right, I'm moving on. I just got to throw that on. Listen, it's a joke. Get over it. You can laugh. Gosh. All offended. Jeremy, call him. Not me. Thank you. But I listen, I love that we've created environments where the Holy Spirit's welcome and he's invited and we can experience it. We just had it. During worship, we encountered the glory of Jesus. We encountered his presence. Jesus showed up. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. The word inhabits, when you break it down, means like God, you're making room as if you had a guest room for God to take residence in. That God does not just, let me just mess with your theology in church world. God does not just check in and check out of church services like a hotel, like the Holiday Inn. The Bible says when God inhabits the praises of his people, that God takes residence, which means he's making himself comfortable and at home in that church. My point is when blessings or when praises go up, we know that blessings come down. But what I'm trying to tell you early on this morning is that we have done an amazing job in church, in the modern church, of making all of our services, no matter how long they are, making the Holy Spirit feel welcome and making you feel welcome. But hear me when I say this. I think over time we've created a church to become more like a theme park than a church service. 
Now listen, I ain't talking about this church, so before y'all think, oh, he's preaching. Yeah, that's right. You say it. Listen, people are getting saved because this LED wall. People getting saved because these lights. You still giving and you still serving. I ain't coming here to be petty. I'm coming here to call out the body of Christ. Say law. Moving on. But what I'm trying to tell you is you can get goosebumps from a roller coaster the same way you can get goosebumps in church. But goosebumps don't change you. The glory of God changes you. The goosebumps don't heal you. The glory heals you. The glory, excuse me, the goosebumps don't fix your marriage. The glory can fix your marriage. You, you need to understand goosebumps don't set your kids free from addiction and struggles. The Holy Spirit does. In our church recently, we have seen about roughly six to eight recovering addicts since summer, since we've grown about 30 people in the summer. Come on. And the cool part about it is most of them have been recovering addicts on this journey from captivity to freedom. And the one thing they tell us about our Sunday service isn't just that they feel welcome. They said, there's something different here about anywhere else. And I say, thank you, Jesus, that you are welcome here. Why? Because goosebumps and cold chills and hitting a high octave may make you shake and shimmy but at the end of the day if the Holy Spirit's not here if Jesus isn't glorified if the glory's not covering the house we're just having just I'm gonna preach it like I feel it you can get on with it or you can get off with it I'm just going with it today trying to be conscious of time y'all got me your time constriction and everything my god But hear me, what God is calling Bethesda Church, this church to do in this season, is not just create a space for for there to be moments for the presence, because there are, but rather to start creating moments for people to be marked by his glory. Because goosebumps come and go, and you can leave the same way as you come in. But I'm telling you, when you get in the glory of God, things begin to move and break in your life. Healing begins to spring forth like a well. God begins to break chains. Miracles are released. Signs and wonders manifest. The kingdom of darkness begins to be pushed back. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit gets released. What I'm trying to tell you early on today, church, is more than we need the presence, we need the glory. And I know I'm only talking to the real church people that grew up with this type of stuff. And if you're new, I hope, I hope this stirs you to have a deep encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, in these last three years of church, and if I've learned anything in my long, short two years of ministry here, you know, being a lead pastor, I really know everything now. <laughs> but if I've learned anything, it's that people want, they just don't want to feel the presence. They want to encounter the presence. They don't just want to say, man, that felt good. They want to say, I got issues and I need them fixed. What can I do? Y'all don't need to hear about the church stats I'm hearing about in Morgantown. 60% of people aren't coming back to church ever again. Some parts of this country says 80% of people aren't coming back to the church ever again. So before you get comfortable in your preference, make sure you're comfortable in the presence. It's not in my notes that you paid gas for that. That's free. I'm moving on. And some of y'all, when I'm preaching this, some of y'all think I'm preaching against big church and modern church. That's not it. Not even close. 
This word is from God, and it's a call to go deeper. And I'm saying it's time for the body of Christ to get out of the shallow end of the water, quit being afraid of scaring off new believers, and we need to take a dive into the glory of God and see some true life change. Because I'm telling you, 70-minute church isn't fixing marriages anymore. Three points in a poem and, and all these songs, I love it, and all that. And listen, we do the same model and all that. And, and listen, y'all have seen healings and, and all this life change and deliverance. I watch every Sunday, y'all. I know exactly what's going on. You can't argue fruit. Let me just pray that out there. You, you can't argue the fruit of what God's doing here. But what I'm telling you is in the modern church, we've created this cookie cutter, 70 minutes in and out. We're going to check your kids in and out. You're going to hear a nice little comforting message and just a little enough scripture just to consider itself biblical. Your kids are going to be entertained, not discipled for 70 minutes. And then we're going to get you out of here and you're going to go back to six days worth of anxiety with 60 minutes worth of Jesus. But God is not calling his church to entertain people anymore. God is saying, let's get into the holy of holies. Let's break the veil down. Let's encounter the glory. Let's encounter the presence. Let's see some life change. Let's see some healings. You want to know why? Because Bethesda Church, you're tapping into it. You don't see healing and deliverance and miracles and signs and wonders that you have seen in the last nine months without the glory being evident. What I'm telling you is God's glory is not just going to show up here. It's going to rest here. And with all this said, you're probably wondering, well, Pastor Jay, what does this have to do with the church and me? I'm so glad that you asked. I'm getting ready to tell you. Today, I've come with the assignment to tell you that the river is rising and to make a call to go deeper into the presence of God, which takes us to our main scripture today, Ezekiel 47, 1 through 5. And when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about the river rising, he pointed me to this passage of scripture that I've been studying for most of the year. And I found this scripture, and I've read the Bible, I've read this, but there I have found a new quickening for this scripture. I have read this probably more times than I've read anything else. And in different seasons, the Lord spoke to me about different things. And, and you got to understand Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel the prophet's taken by the Holy Spirit through a dream, a vision, to the temple of the Lord. And the Lord begins him to show him something that I think is going to impact your life and impact this church. And this is what it says. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. Passing to the right side of, its, uh, of the altar on its south side, the man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, this is the Lord talking, measuring as the Lord went, he took me, the prophet, along the stream for 1,750 feet, then led me across, and the water was up to his ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. And this time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet. And the river was too deep to walk across, but it was deep enough to swim in. But too deep to walk through. Now notice in this scripture, the water is flowing under the temple of the Lord. One translation says it flowed from under the threshold of the temple and flowed from the altar within the temple and it flowed east. And I don't have time to teach on this, but the Cliff Notes version of this, because I just think it's too powerful not to touch on. But the cool thing about it is the Bible tells us that God's presence, the river of God, was flowing out of his temple, out of his throne room, actually specifically from the mercy seat and was flowing eastward. Now you got to understand something about thresholds in the mercy seat. 
The thing about this is that's where forgiveness and mercy comes from. It's the mercy seat. It's where God sat in the ark. He, he sat there between the cherubim in the Old Testament. But what it tried to tell us here in very short, and I hope this isn't too deep, I hope you catch this, is that the Bible says east. East is towards the flesh, not the spirit. So when the Bible says the river of God was moving from under the threshold to the east, it means that God was pouring out his spirit and his glory from a place of mercy and forgiveness out of the threshold of the temple of his presence and flowing it towards us who don't deserve it. Just a powerful little nugget I found. You can study it on your own time. But the whole reason I mention this scripture is because of this right here. There's four different levels of water in this river, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then it was so deep the prophet could only swim in it. And for the remainder of our time today, I want to go through these four levels of water because these four levels represent four groups of people in today's church. So the first group we're going to be talking about is the ankle deep population. Everybody say ankle deep. Ankle deep is the shallow end of the pool. It's the place where you walk down the steps and you have complete control. There's just enough water to say you're in the pool, but more of you to have control over where you go and what you do. These, can, uh, these people can spa- uh, splash and play, then walk out of the river with no lasting effects in their lives. And some of you do this every Sunday. You get in here just in time for the last song and you leave before the altar call starts so you can say you went to church without the church changing you. You're ankle deep. Oh, y'all better buckle up. I'm coming for the next group, which is the knee deep people. <laughs> The knee-deep people look like they're enjoying the water, but they still have a lot of control. The current of God, his presence can be felt, but we maintain control. In knee-deep water, we can say we've gone deeper than the ankle-deep people, but we're not going any farther than being knee-deep. These are the people that I like to say like they come once or twice a month. I'm just going to say, I love you, Chad Dingus, Karen Dingus, I love you, and you can fix my mess if I make somebody mad. I joked about it this week, but I may make them mad with this. These are the type of people that come once or twice a month, and you give more opinion than you do your heart to the church. Haley usually gives me a look and I can't see with the lights and I'm not looking at her, so I'm just going to keep going. These are the people that come in and say, them lights are too dark. They don't take care of my kid the way I would. They don't serve me the way I think they should. You got a lot of preference, but you ain't got a lot of heart. The, the knee-deep people are the ones that come in and just say, well, look at this. Ain't this just special? It's called a miracle. Look it up. I'm just, you, I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to behave. I promise you, I'm trying to behave. The knee-deep water people, though, they have a good view of those who have ventured out into the deeper water. So they look at the real spiritual people, the real Pentecostal people, like, look at them. Oh, my God, she's so pretty. Look at her. She's dancing for Jesus. Oh, my gosh, look at him. He's got his hands all the way up. He's not even holding the TV. He's just straight, like the field goal's good. <laughs> I'm glad some people get this. Hallelujah. See, you think about these jokes sometimes, and you pray they work over well. Praise God. But the, but the knee-deep people, they're the ones that are just like, you, you consider yourself more a part of the church than the guest, but you don't have enough criteria to consider yourself a member. I'm, I'm offending somebody. I hope I do. I hope I, it's the conviction. It ain't me. You just, Lord's using me. You just get offended. 
And don't come to Morgantown looking for trouble. Because the same door you walked in is the same door you can ex. I'm kidding. I'm moving on. <laughs> ah! I'm moving on. I love y'all in Jesus' name. I'm getting healed right now. This is freeing is what this is. But the needy people, these are the people that scare me the most. Can I be honest? And I use scared. Not, I, I'm not afraid of any man, but this is like spiritually speaking. These are the people that scare me because you want to act like, oh, I just felt the touch of the Lord. No, you're cold. You're sitting underneath the vent. <laughs> oh, the Lord told me to do this. No, you got indigestion. Take a Tums. Go sit down. The needy people have a lot of preference, as I said, but they have no presence. Because the needy people are just in it enough to be like, we're not like them, but I don't want what they have. Talking about the real deep people. And here's the thing. They like the presence of the Holy Spirit. They just don't like his conviction. Because you're just in enough into his presence to experience it, but not enough in it for you to be changed by it. Because the Bible says in Psalm, uh, what is it, 1611, that in the presence of God, there's there's fullness of joy. There's fullness in God's presence. Meaning there's complete capacity to the maxed out in God's presence when you get into it. But if you're not full of God, if you're not full in God's presence, it's not because God's not pouring it out. It's because you shut him off. Because the Bible says there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we don't have outpourings is because we don't have capacity for it. You know what my prayer in Morgantown is? God, pour it out and let us be able to handle it. Don't, Lord, don't pour it out and us make a mess. Come on, y'all got toddlers. When you don't watch your kids and you tell them to pour something out, don't make a mess. But when you pour it for them, you know the capacity that they can handle. Oh, God, I'm about to preach this. Woo! This ain't in my notes. I feel this. Listen, the problem in most churches and in your life is you're asking God to pour it out, but you're not open and obedient to be able to receive it. You can't ask for an outpouring while you're closed off. Not The outpouring is not just miracles, signs, and wonders that in the last days God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. The old shall dream. The young shall have visions. All this stuff. But you know what? That brings the correction and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You don't get the gifts without the fruit. And you don't get the fruit without the conviction. So all y'all like, I just want all of it. I want to be used. Get healed. Get hold. Get in the presence and get the fruit. Before you speak in tongues, have joy. Because the Bible says without love, you're like a resounding symbol, which just means you're making noise. So before you pray in the Holy Ghost, make sure your, your heart is healed and you've got forgiveness. I'm moving on. I feel this so deep and I'm right on time. Thank you, Jesus. But here's the thing. The knee-deep people spectate more than they participate. That's what this boils down to. And I have found that many denominations and church people reside in this category, that we like the presence, but we don't want to be engulfed in the presence. You're just enough in it to say you've experienced it. You're knee deep. Okay, now we're waist deep. Everybody say waist deep. Now, this is the majority of where you are at right now in this room. You're deep enough into the presence of God to respond to a few altar calls, raise your hands during that one powerful moment in that worship song, go to a small group once a month, maybe even serve now and again, but you are still in control. You're waist deep. Now, the waist deep population of the church is the most common in my opinion because this group of people can justify that they're in the water, but they can simultaneously justify um, their way into having control. Well, what, Lord, I want to be moved, but I just, I, I just don't want to look weird. You already have weird covered. The Holy Spirit don't need to do that for you. Y'all are weird. If we went home with you, the way your feet smell, the way you take off your socks, you're, you're weird all by yourself. You don't need the Holy Spirit to do that for you. Now, people respond differently to the Holy Spirit, and sometimes that gets a little like, whoo, hallelujah, she's getting real free today. 
But the moment you make fun of somebody else and the way they respond to the Holy Spirit is the moment you shut yourself off from the blessing of the Holy Spirit. I found at a young age being so uncomfortable, I still get uncomfortable in church services. There's times Haley looks at me and she's like, you look tense. And I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. She's like, you don't have control. I know, I'm, I'm letting the Lord lead me, leave me alone. But I have found that in most church services, especially as church begins to grow, when we begin to, to when I use cater, I use that lightly, we begin to, to offer more opportunities for different people that are not Pentecostal or spirit-filled or understand this to, to be welcome, which everybody is at the end of the day. But when we do that, more people get scared and timid of the moving of the Holy Spirit because they've seen it done poorly. And I'm telling you, if you could just, for 10 minutes... Just sit in the presence and say, I just need your touch. I just need your healing. I just need wholeness in my life. You know, God, I just need to be filled with your spirit. I need that power. Like I read about all this, the pastor preaches on it, and I see people binding and loosening and all that. Lord, I just need that. I'm tired of waking up anxious and depressed. You need the Holy Spirit. You, I can't do nothing for you. No pastor on staff can do anything, could do anything for you. The only one that can is man, the, the man's name is Jesus. He, he kind of did something important for you. And I'm telling you, the same power that raised him from the dead lives inside of you who belong to Christ. And I'm telling you, you got to get engulfed. Now, I'm not talking like you tiptoe. you got to get engulfed in the presence of God. So we're talking about the way steep people. Because they think, you know, but it, here at the stream, though, I lost my place. There we go. When you get waist deep in water, the current is strong. You can, find a, you can kind of feel it. If you're in the ocean and you're waist deep, big wave comes, you're going to feel it. But you have enough control to take some steps back or to move side to side or brace yourself for a wave that's coming in. You're waist deep. You, you're, you're, on, you're enough in it, but you, don't have, you still have more control than you are submerged in the water. And it's at this place that you've, you've got to ask yourself this question. Who's going to be in control? You were God. Because when we have, uh, when we're in deep water, we fight the current, we struggle to keep contact with the bottom. Often, we have fear. Listen, I, I watch too many shark movies to go deep in the water in the ocean. But if I go out like that, that's going to be awesome. Oh, come on, don't act like you haven't seen Jaws. Be like, I don't want to die, but that'd be a really cool, like you get a plaque, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be cool. Surprise, you're within 100 yards of a shark every time you're in the ocean. Let that fear just set in. It's awesome. Every time I'm like, let me walk on water. Let me walk on water. Let me walk on water. <laughs> but when you're in the ocean and you're waist deep, you're kind of scared what you're touching because you can't really see what's there unless you pay a lot of money and you go to those really nice beaches with the clear water you see on TikTok and all that. You know, I, If you're on TikTok, get healed. But, but you know when something touches your foot and you just kind of like get nervous and you're just like, I don't want none of that. That's what we do in church. Something happens and you get uncomfortable because you're not familiar with it and you begin to take a step back. But God's presence isn't like the murky ocean. God's presence is a river that you can either step in or step out of. You got a choice. And when it comes to the way steep people, you got a, you got a choice. It's this simple. Who's gonna have control? You or God. And I'm telling you, it ain't no, like God is not your co-pilot. He's either running the whole thing or you are. And I want to share something with you that the Lord dropped in my spirit about this very thing. He said, in order for rivers to rise, there has to be a constant flow of water into the river and all blockages have to be removed that will hinder the flow. 
Meaning some of you need to get things, people, even yourself out of the way in order for the river to rise, which ultimately means you need to take your hands off certain situations and let God move in. I posted this on Facebook this week because I just was like, it just messed with me. But you can't be a control freak in obedience to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just going to let that marinate. You cannot be a control freak and be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Because being obedient to the Holy Spirit is the word submissive. Oh, we don't like this term. Let me fix your marriage. Submit to one another and see what happens. One another, one another, both of you submit to yourselves and see what happens, to each other and see what happens. You won't need counseling. You'll be fine. But when it comes to church, we want it to be this way. We want it to be our way. We want to have control. Listen, obedience to God is letting go of the things you wish to control. Oh, I just want God to have my life. If I had a dollar every time somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, I just want the Lord's will in my life, but then you give me 15 reasons why you need control. I'm telling you some of the greatest problems in your life. If you would just take your, stop posting about your problems. I still got some of y'all on Facebook. I, I, I unfollowed some. I'm just going to be honest. I unfollow people on Facebook, church people. Oh, come on. It is the most, thank God for Mark Zuckerberg creating the unfollow button. I'm still friends with you, but I unfollow a lot of people because I just kind of get tired of seeing people's problems and I just really want to be very pastoral, kind of like Jesus did, kind of flip a table and just be like, you just need to get healed. Facebook never healed anybody. Facebook never changed anybody. Facebook never set anybody free. You just need to get healed, set free, move on with your life. And when it comes to this specific area, I'm trying to tell you something. You cannot be obedient to the Holy Spirit and still say, well, God, I want it this way. If you want it this way, he is sovereign enough to say, go ahead, have it your way. See what happens. And there'll be a point where you say, man, I messed up, and God's going to step in and be like, ha, told you, now move. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Some of you ladies need to hear that. He's a gentleman. For you single ladies, you need to look for a man that is a gentleman. Look at the fruit of the Spirit, and if he doesn't bear that fruit, you don't have a man, you have a boy that wants one thing from you. Move on. I'm still a youth pastor in some ways. Just <laughs> My point is the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he will not move where he is not welcomed. And when you have control over a situation, you are telling everybody, either subtly or obviously, that you want control over a situation. You can't ask God to move in your situation and still have control over it. Best thing you could do during your prayer, you got to sit. Anybody got a situation? This is be honest. Let's take a survey. I'm almost closing with this. Worship team, come help me to come close this out. Man, I'm right on time. Thank you, Jesus. That's my, been my prayer all week. Close on time because I wasn't at the movies and it was awesome. Raise your hand if you got something that you need. God, if God does not move in, ain't nothing happened. Like you got a health issue, you got a doctor's report, you got something in your life. Come on, hands up high. I know there's a lot of people in this room. If you got something, God only shows up. Your prayer needs to be every day from here on out. God, don't just fix this, but help submissive to your will in this moment holy spirit you have your way in this moment holy spirit you're invited into this situation i take my hands off lord i want to control this so bad but god you don't change them you change me you change my perspective on the situation god you restore my sight on this god you give me vision like you have why because when you allow the holy spirit into your situation you not just get the gifts in the fruit but you get his discernment and his wisdom you get a word of knowledge and sometimes that word knowledge is be still and know that I am God. So these people, the waist deep people, you want to have it your way, but you also want God's will to be done, and it can't happen both. Can't happen. 
So we've talked about ankle deep, knee deep, and waist deep. Now the final group, which is the middle of the river. Now, this is the place God is calling us to live in. This part of the river is where we surrender control and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. This is the place where we experience the fullness, fullness of Jesus, the baptism of his presence, the glory of God. And the level of the water is where, this level of the water is where signs, wonders, and miracles take place. This part of the river is where God is calling his church, hear me, not just to visit, but to live in. Anybody ever been to a good church service and you're just like, please, God, let it be that good on Sunday? Honestly, you know how many times I have been at like Winterfest or church camp and we're surrounded by all these people, all these students, and I would come in on a Wednesday night. Y'all don't change it. I call it a fall-in night. I don't know what y'all call it now, but whatever. I used to call it fall-in night. But we did fall-in night. My prayer was, God, just show up in half an ounce as much as you did in that moment. I don't, I don't, my prayer, listen, my prayer in two years has been more than God grow. I started out really bad. And when I say really bad, I'm just going to be transparent. I started out saying that we've got to grow this church. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. I don't have time to tell the story. Don't worry about it. But I, I, I so much focused on the growth of the church that I missed the move of the Holy Spirit for a minute. Because I came and I thought I knew all of it. I came from Bethesda Church, 1,500 people. I know everything. <laughs> oh, I know nothing. I remember coming in one day and I remember somebody said, you need to read. I don't know if it was the Lord. I can't remember who said, but somebody thus saith the Lord me and said, you need to recommit this church back to God. I remember it was a Tuesday and I started walking in the church and I said, Holy Spirit, I repent for trying to have control over this church. You're the one that grows this church. And the Lord reminded me in the New Testament where it said, you know, I, Paul, water, Apollos, plants, but God only, but God only grows the church. And that's been my prayer. We're just going to, we're going to sow and we're going to, we're going to water. We're going to sow and we're going to water. We're going to sow and we're going to water. We're going to, we're going to, I'll be honest. It's been like digging up concrete with a plastic spoon for the last two years. No other way to say it. But I found myself recommitting myself back to God and my calling back to God, but the church and in these last two years, I can tell you, there have been moments where I have just seen God show up and I just leave and I'm just like, man, this has been awesome. And what's it start with the, God, you have your way in the service. God, before, before anybody walks to the door, let your glory show up in here. Lord, we don't need the ark, we've got you. I've got your glory right here inside me, so Lord, release it. God, if you're not gonna pour it out anywhere, right here at 1702 River Road in Morgantown, West Virginia, you pour it out right here. God, if you're looking for a people that are gonna be obedient, you found them right here today. And can I tell you, when I started doing that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Jeremiah, he said, I will take residence in this church. And in that moment, we saw healings that I can't believe. I'm talking a guy got a doctor's report. I still don't know the fullest of it, but this guy got a doctor's report and came in and he said, dude, he said, I, I don't know what to believe. The doctors are saying one thing, but I know what the Bible says. We had a healing service during our fast. Come on, it sounds familiar, don't it? And I just said, if it works there, it's gonna work here. And I just taught people how to get in the presence of God based out of the prayer of the ark, out of, out of the Bible. And all of a sudden I just saw the altar get filled with like 50 people. And that guy came back two weeks later. He said, dude, the doctor's report went from really scary to I'm gonna be just fine. I really don't know what happened. My point is when you get in the middle of the river, you don't just have to tiptoe in it. You can just lay in it. And I know this is a little deep, but just allow me, let me, let me just to teach this real quick. I'm almost done. But in these moments where you're in these freedom nights, come on, these freedom nights aren't just a one-time thing. It's a rekindling. However often you do them, I don't know, once a month, once a quarter. I don't pay attention. What is it? Once a month. You got a once a month. Rekindling. 
for you not just to have a, not God help me to preach this. All summer long I taught on freedom. Let me tell you what I told my church. You're not just supposed to have freedom and feel it. You're supposed to live in freedom. You can't come in here and say, I'm going to be free one night and bound 29 other days. No, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm not even trying to preach. This is in my notes. I can't get off this. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. What I'm trying to tell you is when you get in the glory, when you get in the middle of the river, the Bible says, Ezekiel said, I can't even stand anymore. I can only swim, which means he's submissive to the wave and the moving of the river. Church, I'm telling you, you got to get out of the ankle deep and get out of the knee deep and get out of the waist deep and say, I'm just going to allow God to move in my life. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it feels like. Jesus, free me. Jesus, move. I'm telling you, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Y'all two minutes ahead of schedule. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you're in water that you can't stand in and where you can only swim or float in, that makes you submissive to the current or the flow of water. You can't have control in a move of God in your life. Here's how I want to close this message out. I want to tell you there's more than where you're at right now. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how many tongues you talk in. I don't care how many demons you slayed. I don't care what your church directory little, what do we call those things? Resume, thank you, I had a moment. The resume is, I don't care how many churches you've been to. There's more to God than where you're at. There's a reason the angels in heaven say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which means every time they take a look at God, they see something they've never seen before. And those angels have been around since the very existence of the universe. Before that, and you think you know it all because you've been in church for 30 years. You just haven't seen the fullness of God. I'm telling you, church, I don't know who I'm talking. There's more to where you're at right now. There's more to life than where you're at right now. There's more than anxiety. There's more than depression. There's more than fear of man and fear of the future. There's more than money issues. There's more than your marriage issues. There's more than fear of, no, of the unknown, fear of the doctor's report. There's all that. There's more to that than you've seen. And it's called getting into the river of God. Listen, I'm not so ignorant and Pentecostal that I say, if you get in God's presence, it's going to change everything. It may not, but it'll always change you. And if you start praying for God to change you instead of your circumstances, you'll find that even if your circumstances don't change, your perspective of them will. So when you get in the middle of the river, you'll find there's more to God than you've ever seen. I'm telling you, I've, I've encountered a deeper glory for God than I've ever seen. I could teach on this for hours because this is where my prayer and my heart's been this last season. Y'all, we've grown. We've grown 42% since January of 22 to now. And I'm so thankful for it. We can't, I mean, I'm telling you, we, we're, just, we're getting ready to have a board meeting soon. And I don't know what we're going to do about parking. I don't know what we're going to do about chairs. We haven't got that far. I've been looking. I'm just saying, God, you own it all. You're going to supply the money or the chairs. I don't know which one, but you're going to supply. I'm not worried about it. But in the middle of all that, I, I had this vision. I had this dream from the Holy Spirit where our church grew. And our church grew so much that we were putting out more chairs. And if you've ever been to our church, we kind of got it similar. We got three sections. And I remember telling my team, I don't even know who it was, but I remember looking at them and I said, you fill this place as full as you can, but you leave room for the altar so people can get saved and healed. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord said, you're going to grow, but if you leave room for me, I'm always gonna move. 
And I think times we're so worried about empty chairs getting full that we're not worried about altars being full. I don't care how many of there are. If there's nothing right here, we've wasted our time. If you can't tell, this is where I'm at right now with my life. I love, I love it all. I can, I can do anything. I can preach and shout and jump and fall and get back up and pull my coat over myself as a curse. I can do all that. But God's not looking for that now. God's looking for some people to step into the river because the river is rising, which means God's pouring more water into the river and the level that the river was at is not satisfactory anymore. And God is saying the river is rising, but it requires you to take a step deeper. I know this is a deeper type of message, but I feel this so strong. And I know, and listen, I need you to know, this church is getting ready to see a greater greater level of God's presence and his glory. And when I say that, people automatically, let me just debunk this, automatically say, well, that's just for the church. Well, that's just for the pastors. That's just for the staff and the dream team and the dream team leader. No, it's for you. This may be your first Sunday here, but I'm telling you, there's more to God than you've ever experienced before. There's more to his presence than you've ever experienced. Well, I grew up whatever denomination. We didn't believe in it. You better believe in it because it's real. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've heard of cancer getting healed. I've seen, I've seen some crazies. I'm too far gone to not believe it at this point. I've got too much history with God to go back now. My own personal testimony is enough for me to say I've got enough reasons to praise God for the rest of my life. But in this moment, you gotta, you gotta decide if you're gonna take a step deeper. And I'm gonna tell you something the Lord did and then, and then we're closing out with this. Two weeks ago, I was getting ready to head to the church office and I was listening to a sermon out of Luke's gospel where Jesus encountered a funeral. His mother had a dead son and Jesus was on one side of the road. I imagine it like this. Jesus was on one side of the road walking and the funeral was coming the other way. And on one side, there was joy, but on the other side, there was death. Now, Jesus was a funny guy. So I'd imagine they were just having a good time and Jesus saw this and the Bible said he had compassion on the mother. And the Bible says that Jesus went up to the coffin and touched the coffin and the boy rose up out of the coffin, came back alive, which is powerful. And I felt like the Lord told me to say this over this house. And I don't say this for, for any hype or anything. I wanna make sure I get this right. But the Holy Spirit pointed me to the point in the, the scriptures in the gospel where Jesus had his feet anointed at Bethany, washed at Bethany, same thing. And this woman broke open her box and she anointed Jesus. Her, her box contained the oil. She prepared Jesus for the burial. The religious people got mad and said, what are you doing? We can sell this. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. She's, she's taking care of me. Don't you worry about them. And when she broke open the box of oil, two things happened. The religious people got mad, but I love this. One translation in one part of the gospel says that what was in the box filled the room, that the whole house got filled because what was in the box. And I know all year long you've been hearing about breaking the box, but can I just tell you, and I want you to know that when you break the box of oil and you, and you get Jesus out of this little confines of I want the presence, I want the glory, but I don't want the, you break that box, not only will it fill where you're at, it's gonna fill your whole house. Because if it happened at Bethany, it can happen at Bethesda. If it happened 2,000 years ago, it can happen today. What's my point? When you get out of your comfort zone and you break out of this religiosity box that you've put God in and the glory of Jesus Christ in, you're going to see something you've never seen before. Why? Because when you break open the box, what's in the box fills the room. And I'm closing with this because we're getting ready to act on this word. 
This is what the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Now listen, I know the flood that happened in 2016. I cleaned houses with you. I know the members that we lost. I still remember getting the tetanus shot, Greenbar Care. I remember the third degree sunburn that I got that some of you that are in this room, I'm looking right at somebody right now that hit me and I've been not bitter anymore, I'm free. Remember Jessica looking at me and saying, if you don't get out of the sun, you're going to die. Remember all that, I remember floods. Floods have a bad taste in our mouth in this area as they should, devastating. But can I tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to me over this house specifically? And I'm I'm walking with this because I don't want to get this wrong. He said, there's a flood coming, not of natural disaster, but of my glory. And floods are associated with chaos and destruction. But when my flood comes through, it will not destroy houses or roadways, but rather every stronghold and will give life to what is dead. Bethesda Church, I came all the way from Morgantown to tell you this. The river of God is rising in this church. The level of God's glory is rising in this church. The level of his healing in his presence is rising in this church. The level of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is rising in this church. The river of God is rising in this church. And you may say, well, pastor, this all sounds you know, good and I'm excited about it, but what do I do? Take a step, take a step, go deeper. How do I go deeper? Join the compass class, get in a small group, get to a freedom night, lift your hands during worship, come 10 minutes early, start serving, be part of pre-service prayer and set the tone and the atmosphere for everybody else. Win the battle spiritually. The Bible says he, that Ezekiel walked 1,750 feet. It's what God measured off. And the Bible said he left, he jumped, whatever translation you're reading in. But that specifically means that during that time, and I'm closing with this, that when the next part was measured off, the Bible says that he leapt forward, that he intentionally jumped forward. He had a choice to stay in ankle deep. He had a chance to stay in knee deep. He had a chance to stay at waist deep. But then he saw something greater than he's ever seen before. And he said, knee deep's not cutting it anymore. Let me go to waist deep. Waist deep's not cutting anymore. Let me go into the river and let me just sit and be submissive to the move of God in the river of God. What I'm telling you is you have a choice to make Bethesda Church. The river is rising and it's moving, but it's up to you to step in. And when I say step in, I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you specifically what it is. Here's how I want to close this out. I'm going to ask the prayer team and usher or prayer team and, and staff and all those people that are commissioned by Bishop to come and pray for those. Here's what I want to do. Getting ready to sing one last worship song. You guys know how this is, but can I just tell you what I tell my church all the time? Don't make this moment just like, all right, we're getting ready to leave. I'll be out of here. And I, I can get to, I, mean, I don't know what restaurants you guys have now, but still, anyways, you can get to wherever you want to go. In this moment, I believe the Lord is calling this church in you. Hear me not Bethesda Church, you, in the seats. Your job's not to warm the seat. Your job is to say the seat's for you and step out of the way. This call is for you to go deeper. There's a reason the Bible said he measured off a certain measure of of feet because there's a difference between the knee deep and the waist deep, the waist deep and the floating in the river. And it is up to you to start getting submissive to the river of God moving your God. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing one last worship song. But if you say, pastor, I'm ready to go deeper. I'm ready, I'm ready to get submerged in this thing. I'm ready to, and listen, you may not even be in the river and you may be ankle deep and that's good enough. And when I say good enough, I'm not saying that's content and that's where you have to be forever. We gotta look at progress. 
And progress means you just take one step and you take another step and then you take another step and then you find yourself completely submerged eventually. But every one of you, you're in four different places. You're ankle deep, you're knee deep, you're waist deep, or some of you are floating in the river. But for those that aren't, my call is to you to take a step this Sunday. Take a step this Sunday. I'm gonna pray over you real quick. Everybody head, everybody's head's bowed and eyes closed. I'm gonna pray real quick. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, more than taking a step, I need to know who God is. Listen, you can't encounter the glory without knowing who the one pours out of his glory is. And it's Jesus. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to him. Maybe it's for the first time or maybe for the first real time. What I want you to do is throw your hand up and right back down. Nobody's looking around. It's between you, me, and Jesus right now. If you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to rededicate my life to him. I need to give my life to him. Come on, in this moment, raise your hand and right up back down. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, come on, right up and right back down. Enough for me to see it signify it. Thank you for that hand. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray together. Repeat after me, say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need saving. Save me and change me. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need saving. So Lord, come into my life. Make me new and wash me clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Here's how I'm closing with this. Listen, if you want to take a step deeper, I know this isn't for everybody, but it's for somebody. If you want to take a step deeper, they're going to pray with you. I'll be right over here. I'd love to pray with you. But listen, you got a choice to make. Take one step this Sunday and see what God does. Take one step, see what God does. Listen, let's go into worship. We'd love to put our faith with yours. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.